Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Well, friends, uh, do you care about your front line? Do you care about your front line? Uh, what are you concerned about at your front line? Well, you have a front line. Uh, there's no question about whether you have a front line or not. Your front line is that place that God has called you to regularly, or maybe it's a few places that you are called to regularly where you're interacting, you're doing things, you're interacting with people. Uh, the question today is, do you care? And what is it that you care about? What concern do you have at your front line? Uh, I worked for World Vision for seven years. Uh, it was a great place to work, but my job was a pretty standard desk job, uh, staring at a computer screen, moving a mouse and clicking it typing on a keyboard, uh, sitting in meetings. Well, um, I mean, I, I'm really thankful that I was able to work in uh, such an amazing organization and uh, that was doing good things in the world. I was part of being a blessing to those who were most in need. And yet the actual work that I did, my role wasn't really uh, unique to World Vision. Uh, it was the kind of job that could be in any organization of that size. Uh, I was doing this thing called uh, business intelligence, which is about uh, analysis, reporting, statistics. Anytime someone needed a number, uh, it kind of came uh, through me. Every organization uh, needs to see the numbers and uh, how things are going so that they can make uh, good decisions. So my job was a little bit indirect or a few steps removed from seeing the direct impact of lives being transformed for the better. Which meant that caring uh, about my work, being concerned about what God was doing through World Vision, it actually took a little bit of thinking. And some of you might be in that same scenario. Maybe your front line, there's a little bit of a disconnect about well, well how significant actually is this? You have to think it through a little bit. 
Whereas others might have really direct impact. Like you can see right here and right now positive, good things happening. Uh, for me, uh, at World Vision, honestly, some days my greatest concern was that my back was sore and my neck was stiff from sitting at the desk. Like sometimes that was my biggest concern. Uh, or the thermostat is not set right. You know, it's too hot or it's too cold. Sometimes those are our days. That's our biggest concern. That's what we focus on. And I'm sure you have days on your front line like that. You know, Maybe your friends are your front line. Maybe your family is your front line. Uh, maybe there's a workplace that you go to. Uh, maybe study is your front line. I'm sure you have days on your front line when uh, the things you care about feel, maybe they feel small. And it's hard to have a meaningful concern, a godly concern. It can be hard to focus on what God wants you to do on your front line. So that's what we're talking about this week. And we just heard uh, that record of an amazing story from Acts chapter 3, uh, and it shows us a few things about how we can be ready on our front lines with a godly concern, a godly care. Now, one of the unique things about this story, and you might have picked up on this as you were listening, is the eye contact, the emphasis on eye contact and the looking. Have a listen again. It says, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It was three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Uh, that's the name of the gate, uh, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. They both looked straight at him. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. This is quite like, extraordinary to emphasize this amount of looking and this eye contact so much. The looking is really important. And this is perhaps the simplest but most important first job on your front line, just look. Just look around you. Use your eyes. See what is before you. Use your ears. That extends to listening as well. Uh, be attentive. Be aware of what is happening around you. You know, it's, it's really easy to have your own agenda throughout life. Uh, it's really easy to be busy with the stuff that you have to get done, and uh, it's hard to have space for interruptions. It's really easy to stick to routines and, and habits and just to do the same thing over and over again. And for Peter and John, going to the temple at three o'clock was a regular thing. They had a schedule to keep. It was an allocated time of prayer. And the same thing for the man uh, who was born with a disability. He was carried there to the temple gates at the same time every single day. It was a routine for him and the people that knew him and carried him there. Uh, for him, the only way he could survive uh, was to, be, uh, to beg for money to feed himself. 
So there was a repetitive, mundane even, everyday routine going on. It was everyone's ordinary front line. What changed it? It's that verse 4, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. It was, it was a look, paying attention to someone, a person, that changed that front line. So look around you. Well, I mean, even now, the, the typical thing about people begging for money, uh, particularly in crowded places, is that there's not a lot of human-to-human interaction going on. Uh, the person for money is, is kind of calling out to anyone and everyone. There's no real relationship there. Uh, sometimes around Melbourne, uh, nothing is even said. Uh, there might just be a, a cardboard sign explaining their situation and what they need. And I suspect most of the money they get uh, comes without even a word spoken. Perhaps without any eye contact. Perhaps without any looking at all. But one of the things that I really like about the winter shelter program that is running, uh, this this is where churches are used to home the homeless. Well, volunteers and the guests share dinner together in the dinner shift. There are conversations that happen. I got to hear the most extraordinary stories from a gentleman on uh, Monday night. Incredible stuff that you would never expect. You might never suspect that this is what is what has been his past and the stuff that is shaping his life now. You would never guess, I never guess, I would not have guessed why he was homeless. Why he was, why he was even in Australia, I would never have guessed. But when you sit down and you hear a story, you notice so much more about real, real people. Now you can do this everywhere. It's a simple thing. You can do this everywhere, particularly on your front line, to just be a little bit more intentional about looking, listening, paying attention. Uh, and even to ask God to draw your attention somewhere. God, where, where do you want me to look? Where do you want me to pay attention? Uh, secondly, look for people. There are always going to be tasks and achievements and successes to conquer. There will always be more money to earn. There will always be things that turn us inwards, like injuries and illness and insecurities. Uh, And there are countless ways to avoid real human interaction. There are so many ways to avoid getting into a real interaction with someone. But if you want to live out a meaningful life on your front line, it is going to involve people. Uh, Peter and John saw a man who had a need. Uh, They looked with compassionate eyes on him. They had inherited something from Jesus who looked with compassionate eyes on people. And if we are followers of Jesus, then we look with his eyes to seek understanding of where people are at in life. 
And now it's, it's not always obvious how we can connect and be a blessing to others in everyday life. Uh, for Peter and John, it seemed pretty obvious in that situation. Uh, they just looked and immediately understood uh, the situation. They, they didn't have to ask uh, questions. They saw a man who couldn't walk uh, asking for money. And they don't give him what he's asking for. Uh, they, they actually, in, in praying, they enable something much more amazing and life-altering for him than that. It's an extraordinary moment of intervention, and it's amazing that he is healed. Amazing that he is healed. Uh, but don't underestimate the power of asking questions. Ask. Questions are a useful tool in life. They are often a doorway into God's presence for people. And that's true for me. People ask me questions and they become a doorway into God's presence and a a new understanding for what is happening right now. Uh, I have a coach whose job it is to ask me significant questions, meaningful questions, uh, to help me to think and to pray. And uh, sometimes you have to mix up your questions. Maybe you ask questions, maybe you need to ask some new questions or some different questions to the standard ones. Um, You know, the what did you do on the weekend is a Monday favorite, right? You know, but sometimes it doesn't go anywhere. Like, it's it's not a meaningful interaction. Maybe maybe you need to mix up the questions with something else. I've, I've very quickly found that asking our kids, how was your day at school? immediately uh, after school, it doesn't get a meaningful response. Like, I have to mix up the questions on that front line. Try some different questions or at a different time in a different way. So, look around you, look for people, uh, and finally, look at how you can love. Look at how you can love. There is not enough love in the world. People need more love. Uh, Think about this man who had a disability. Uh, Some people were loving him. They were carrying him and helping him to go and beg for money in the most uh, favorable position. But for himself, he knew all too well the ineffectiveness of his ankles and his feet. And I suppose he had resigned himself to... Uh, his only hopeful chore was asking for money. That's where he had set his expectation. For him, there was no government welfare system. There was no Centrelink. There was no pension. There was no NDIS. Uh, No one, no one would ever choose to put themselves in his position in first century Palestine. I suspect he had resigned himself to the fact that nothing would change and this was his lot in life. He was born unable to walk and he would die unable to walk. So the shock and scandal of uh, this event, it actually doesn't belong to you know, the, the scientific or the medical community. They're not the first ones who are going to be shocked at this event. 
The shock does not even belong in the first instance to the crowds at the temple this day who, who went on and they were amazed. They knew him. They were amazed. But the shock in the first instance does not belong to them. The scandal and the shock first belongs to that man. He is the first one to be overjoyed with um, like incredible surprise at the love he would receive to be healed and restored like that. He asked for some money from Peter and John and he received the use of his legs in Jesus' name. And so overwhelmed with thankfulness for this blessing uh, that he can't help but praise God straight away with his walking and jumping. Uh, these events change everyone who is involved and they change the people who hear about them. Now, uh, the wonder and amazement that uh, filled everyone there is actually meant to flow through and we're meant to feel that even now. Heaven bursts out into our reality and really great things happen that do not happen otherwise. All because Peter and John saw a man through the eyes of the love of Jesus. They were continuing the ministry of Jesus. They had authority in the name of Jesus to be a blessing to this man. Uh, it's not the healing power of Peter and John. It's not their healing power. It's the healing power of Jesus who comes to restore and redeem. So friends, pray for people. It's simple. Pray for people and pray for people with them. <laughs> pray for people and pray for people with them there and then. Uh, I offer to pray for people all the time, Christian, uh, non-Christian, it's such an easy way to bless people, uh, to not be a judgmental person when the world thinks Christians are judgmental. It's a way to reverse that narrative so easily. Uh, and not once have I ever heard from someone, I don't know about you, maybe you have, I've never heard from anyone, uh, no thank you, I'd rather you didn't pray for me. I've never heard that. Has anyone had that, where someone's refused? Yep, so a couple of times it does happen. So I'm aware it does happen. Most of the time, most of the time, I think, people in Australia are so open to prayer. You know, we've, we've seen some stats about the decline in, you know, church attendance or, or decline in calling people, calling themselves Christian. It hasn't stopped people being open to prayer. That percentage of people, I think, is actually huge. Most people are very open to prayer. They see it as a way of you blessing them, that you care about them, that, that you've heard them, that you've heard their need, that you are then going to follow up and pray for them. It's a way of showing love, and I think most people hear that. And even when I follow up with, it, well, can I pray now? <laughs> Sometimes there's some, you know, discomfort in that, you know? But even then, the people that I've prayed with there and then, who maybe aren't a Christian, maybe there's, a, there's enough of a window of an opportunity, 
that they trust me enough to pray there and then. Uh, some of it will just be around my role. If they know that I'm a pastor, they kind of expect that I'll pray, but they can expect that of Christians. How about you change the expectation of Christians that there are people who just will just stop and pray right there and then that God would help them and love them. I guess the question is, are we willing to pay the cost of that discomfort for the joy of the blessing that they would receive? You know, it's a little bit of discomfort. Are we willing to pay that discomfort cost for the amazing blessing that they might receive? Uh, Well, if you read on in uh, this story in Acts chapter 3, you see that Peter has an opportunity to explain what has happened and uh, who Jesus is. That's a really important aspect of things. That's a whole other sermon. Uh, There's some great phrases, there's some amazing phrases in there in what uh, Peter says. He says, uh, turn to God so that times of refreshing may come. Like, that's a beautiful phrase that he uses there. Uh, But for today... The starting point on our front lines is to simply look, observe, have your heart open and ready and attentive to be drawn into God's story. Well, at 3 p.m. one Friday afternoon, Jesus Christ of Nazareth breathed his last, hanging abandoned on a cross, his body beaten, exhausted, limp, and he died. At 3 p.m. that Friday afternoon, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The safety barrier between the presence of God and sinful, broken people was removed. The very presence of God starts breaking out into the world. The reality of heaven bursting out into the reality of our brokenness. And at 3 p.m., Just a few months later, a limp and defenseless man, a broken man who had always and forever been broken, a man who had to be carried everywhere by the kindness of those he could never repay, could suddenly walk into the temple of God himself. He could jump and praise God, something new that he could never have done before. Now, there's nothing special about the time of 3 p.m., just happens to be the time when Jesus died. It just happens to be the time when this man was healed for the glory of God. But it gets us thinking, what's going to happen at 3 p.m. tomorrow? Or 3 p.m. today? Or any hour, really? What is God ready to do? Are you ready for heaven to burst out in front of you for a precious, beautiful, uh, yet abnormal uh, time of refreshing to come. Are you looking so that God's concern might be your concern? Well, may you be ready in Jesus' name. Amen.